The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob. Ah, you're awful. And A.J. Applegar. Sin Shu Chu. It's a mouthful. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual is AJ Abagar. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Just just getting my stretches on before the show. You know, I just gotta. You know. uh, yeah. All right. Still. So, it. are we supposed to combine our shirts and make one of your like four-year-olds or filials or whatever shirt it is? Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not no. gonna do that. Just no, make a fun no, of your shirt from last week. No. No, cool. not today. <laughs> no, uh, today. <clears throat> yeah, we are discussing the NLEs today. Uh, we've got <clears throat> good good show ahead discussing all, all those good teams. And um, yeah, just before we jump into it, just want to remind everybody to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen and watch us, Periscope, YouTube, now Facebook on our on our uh, fantasy six pack page there and um obviously itunes spotify the day after go ahead and and, uh, and and do that we appreciate the support um we are using a new hosting platform so unfortunately there's no beer of the week audio i'll figure out something soon i think i'm, I'm gonna miss that um i like hearing homer simpson's voice every every week in my ear um but aj let's let's do our mm, beer of the week and, and let's let's have you start when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm, beer <laughs> you didn't have to do it too <laughs> yes i did um do, do you not realize that i basically just record myself singing to songs randomly on my way to work now that i have a fun commute yeah okay so no you um, probably shouldn't have told me that because i'm gonna make fun of you forever for now <laughs> probably all right yeah as i, I should think that would have happened regardless anyway all right <clears throat> so i am uh Going with the the somewhat home turf here with the Trogues Independent Brewing out of uh, Central PA and Hershey, actually. Um, Hop Cyclone Hazy Double IPA. I believe I may have had one of these on here before, but... Probably. No, they're good stuff, man. And uh, I don't really care, so I'm having it again. As you should. All right, uh, I'm drinking a, a local brew, Columbia, Maryland, Black Flag Brewing, Double Promised, Hazy Double IPA. Uh, 8.5, I expected more from this, honestly. Like, it, it was sort of underwhelming. It, it, I gave it a three and three quarters. Honestly, every time I drink it, I'm sort of like, I don't really know why I gave it that, but it's okay. Um, you know, it's, a, it's to me, like, when, you know, IPAs, three and a half to three and three quarters is sort of like your just standard average IPA. It's sort of like, you're not bad. You're drinkable. I can go to a restaurant and go get you again. Yeah. It wasn't anything great, but uh, I mean, it's fine though. I'll, I'll drink it. 
and I'll drink another show. Um, cheers. All right. Yeah. Cheers um, to our first <clears throat> StreamYard broadcast. Absolutely. Hello, Facebook. We see you. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm still trying to find it, actually. Uh, okay. Well, I haven't, got, I haven't gotten there yet. Maybe. Maybe not. Let's see what happens. Going to our page. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it is. I can't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we are. Cool. Yep. Hi, Facebook. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get on with it, though. Bring our guest on here. Writer for Fantasy Six Pack, Mike Solicito. Um, how's it going, man? Going good. Going good. I'm excited for the show today. Uh, I was glad I was able to, uh, to write for the NL East. You know, I'm a Yankees fan, but, you know, I had a, I had a few uh, Mets fans. Um, so, you know, I, I got their opinions on some stuff for the Mets and all that. So it was, it was an awesome time. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, obviously, uh, Mike wrote the a uh, the NL East preview for FantasySixPack.net. So we appreciate that, and that's uh, one of the reasons why we've got him on the show. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, obviously, a good team. Didn't make a lot of additions, although they added a good starting pitcher and Charlie Morton who had a little bit of a down 2020, but eh, whatever they added drew smiley. And then they added just recently Jake lamb. But uh, I personally don't really know if that's going to be worth anything. Um, this, this starting roster here, the starting lineup that we've got, if fan wants to load tonight, don't do this to me again. There we go. Uh, so leading off right now, projected on, on a roster resource through Fangrass, leading off, we got Ronald Acuna and then Freddie Freeman right behind him, Marcelo Sunia, Travis Donode, uh, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, and Kristen Pache. Um, it's loaded lineup, really. It is uh, in the pitching: Max Free, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Drew Smiley, and Kyle Wright, um, and then Will Smith and a bunch of others mixed in with the closers closer role here um <clears throat> let's jump right into the first question it's about freddie freeman aj take it away man all right all right mr freeman himself has been quite the model of consistency for his fantasy owners in nearly every year of his current eight-year contract uh that actually just happens to be up at the end of this season now, Freeman obviously missed a little bit of time in 2015 and again in 2017, almost identical, 44 and 45 games respectively. He's only missed eight games in every other year of this contract since 2014, though. So all that being said, are Freeman's consistent counting stats enough for you to take him at his current ADP, which is 11.4? Uh, I mean, he's the only player going that high who has very little stolen base potential. Um, you know, like you said, Freeman has been, you know, he's been amazing throughout his, his career, uh, especially for fantasy. And he plays a prime position for his base. Um, you know, I would say that I feel like, I, you know, I'd end up passing on him. Um, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Um, and actually one of my friends drafted him first round last year. Um, and he ended up having an MVP year. So he rubs <laughs> our faces. Um, as he but, should. Yeah. <laughs> as he should. Um, but I don't really think that he he's worth being drafted around 11 because, like you said, you know, he doesn't have much stolen base potential. 
Um, and while first base is a premium position, I'd rather wait for somebody, you know, like a Jose Abreu if he runs later, or, you know, even someone like, I know he's going relatively high, but Luke Voigt, um, you know, all, all those yeah. guys, they're still going to, you know, hit home runs. While they may not have the same average as Freeman, you know, they'll still produce the runs, RBIs, and homers um, just as well as he does. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, he's been, like you said, he's been a model of consistency, but I just, I don't see myself grabbing him that early. I'd rather grab somebody with, you know, that I know that has the potential to be a five category stud um, right around that pick. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you there, man. I, um, so I'm currently in the TGFBI drafts and I had the 15. Now, neither one fell to me, but it was looking like for a minute that him and Bellinger were both going to fall to me. And I honestly was going to take Bellinger over him because he gives me at least those like, you know, 10 to 12 steals. And I was going to pair him up with Lindor. Like I moved Lindor way up in that league that I have him ranked right now just because, uh, you know, I needed those steals and I'm on 15. I'm not getting them coming back to me. So I just had to boost Lindor up. Um, so, and we'll get to him a little later, I feel like. So, mm-hmm. uh, not to harp too much on there, but I don't know. AJ, you got anything else to add here with, with Freeman? He's a solid player, man. And his county stats are phenomenal, especially the batting average. Like, that batting average is great. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, that just to be able to get someone with such a great average, I, I feel like you can always find steals later on if, if you really want to. Um, or if you just punt it in general, I mean, average, <laughs> average is harder to come by in my opinion than steals. So yeah, TGFBI I'm still is, not TGFBI is roto. It's hard to punt categories in roto. Well, you're thinking yeah, head-to-head. that's true. Like, you just can't do it in roto. You're gonna you're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, he'll get you a couple, but he he's not a stolen base threat at all. Um, but I I just I don't think I can reach for him in the first round. Um, so yeah, I'd probably be passing on them. All right. Uh, let's move on here to the man of fantasy baseball, Ronald Acuna. He's the number one ADP pick right now. I mean, look, I've got him ranked number one, but I, I always just want to ask this question. You know, he had the batting average drop in 2020. It went down to 250. Um, you know, had I think he had, was like he was out with out for a week or so with a injury. I forget uh, exactly what it was, but you know, does the drop in average make you think he should be behind Tatis or Betts? You know, who are obviously awesome as well, or you just full steam ahead with Acuna? Um, I think last year when I came on here, I was asked uh, an Acuna question. Um, and I said that I think that if anybody in the MLB has the potential to go for 40-40, it's him. Um, and listen, I like I love Tatis. I think he's you know he's an up-and-coming star. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the face of the MLB if he's not already. Um, and and Betch is, you know, he's just as good. Um, obviously not, as Tatis, not on Tatis' level. Um, but I would, you know, I would go with, Acuna as the number one, just because, like I said, I feel like he really has the ability to go 40, 40. Um, I do love Tatis, but I believe that last year, it was just kind of a weird season all around. So I feel like yeah. we can evaluate certain players like Tatis. Obviously he was fantastic. If you look at his baseball savant page, it's just loaded with dark red. Um, and you know, that's what you want. 
Um, but I feel like Acuna, I feel like he could raise his average a little bit, you know, maybe hit like around 260, 270-ish. He could even maybe push that a little bit higher. Obviously, he, obviously he's had a bit of a strikeout problem, not a major one, um, but he does have a little bit of strikeout problem. And I mean, who doesn't? You know, he's ridiculously young. It's only going to come as he gets more more, more uh, playing time and exposure um, that he should be able to kind of figure it out. Like if you look at Mike Trout, I believe he's still lowering his strikeout rate year by year by year. Um, and he's he's 30 now. Uh, but I, I would personally, I would go with Acuna just because I feel like he's a safe pick. Um, while outfield is relatively deep, I would say shortstop is also deep. Um, and I don't think Betts has the same kind of ceiling as being able to kind of or possibly being able to put up a 40-40 season. So I would personally draft Acuna over Betts and Tatis. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's uh, it's not a hard choice to take him first, but Again, I, I'd be looking at the type of league I'm in, and and if average is factored in, if it's a category or a roto league, and and you're going after the average, I might pass on Acuna and go with Betts. Um, I just feel like he's safer in that one category, along with still getting you, you know points and, and, and stats in the other categories as well that you'll get with Acuna. Um, so that, that's kind of my thought on it. I, you can't really go wrong either way, but that that's how I would value it. Yeah, no, I guess it Acuna is my number one already. So not much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's, uh, let's flip the script here to the pitching side of things. So, I mean, Atlanta, they, they've got a pretty good pitching staff overall. Um, you know, Matt, Max Freed is the highest ADP uh, of the staff at around 66 overall. You know, Anderson and Morton are around 100 and 110. I mean, that's a pretty far drop off uh, between those guys. But, I mean, are you going to jump in on, on Freed at that ADP of 66? Um, I would say it kind of depends on where my team is when I'm drafting. I know personally I like to, within like the first probably five or six rounds, I try to grab maybe four bats to two starting pitchers. I always, I'm a big starting pitcher guy, and I get a lot of flack for it in my leagues. I love having a loaded pitch, uh, like loaded pitching. Just <laughs> because Starting pitching is getting way more up yeah. this year, man. You're, yeah. you're going to have to go yeah. even higher than that. There's people um, taking two first, two, their first round pick, two first round picks. Uh, with with both pitching in TGFBI and and those big big time leagues like that, it's oh, yeah. insane. I see, I see pitching like I feel like I've seen so many different tweets of like there's like 16 pitchers taken like the first like 20 something picks. Like it's yeah. always a ridiculous amount. I mean the strat the strategy is got a name for it now. It's called pocket aces. Like it's, yeah. it's like a thing now. It's like okay, I get it, but wow, there's so many good hitters that get passed up. It's so hard for me to flip the switch like that. Yeah, that's why I said it kind of depends on where my team is. Um, I do. I'm a big. I, I love. I love uh, Max Fred. Um, I do think that he's really, really good. Um, but you know, they also have, they have other guys like Anderson, like Morton, and they also have uh, Soroka. I feel like he's a big lost name. Um, he, <laughs> yes, did have he, he did have that Achilles injury in August, but I've been seeing reports lately that he can kind of be back either by opening day, if not a few weeks into uh, the season. And I feel like, you know, he's, I don't know where he is, where he's going. I feel like he's probably going relatively late. Um, but, you know, I, I enjoy him and I think that he's a really solid pitcher. 
Um, he generates weak contact, and while he doesn't have the big strikeout rates, um, I think that he could be really, really solid. And granted, the Achilles injury is tough to come back from, um, but I know Wainwright came back from it in five months, and it's already been six months for uh, Soroka. Yeah. So I think that he should be back relatively soon. Um, and while, and I know we're talking about uh, Fried here, um, you know, I feel like I feel like it really depends on who else is around uh, when I'm drafting right there. Like I know. Um, sometimes Burns is right around or available right there. Um, Woodruff is probably a little bit higher, but, um, you know, I feel like I probably end up going with fried there just because I feel I, I, I'm personally a big fried fan. I think that he can continue the, the strides he made last year, um, into this year. And, you know, I have, I have a lot of faith of, uh, what the, uh, Atlanta pitching development, what they're doing over there, uh, with their young pitchers. So I would, I would personally draft him, but again, it also, it also really depends on where my team is at that point. Yeah, to me, like that that sixth round range, the way the way that I've been kind of doing a, a couple mocks here and there, and obviously in TGFBI, you know, I take like one pitcher sort of early, um, uh, and then you know I, I might I'm loading up on bats, and then right around where he's going again is when I start jumping back into pitchers because I don't like the bats as much down there. I feel like they're all kind of the same as the guys you can get two or three rounds later so i'm fine kind of loading up on my pitching in that range where you know if you go starting pitching you know one two you know two out of the first three rounds you're kind of forced to skip that range where max freed or fried i don't know is it fried <laughs> did i totally mispronounce that <laughs> i feel like it's freed i don't know <laughs> I, it was fried. Fried. I don't know why i, I mean it's spelled kentucky fried chicken so <laughs> But I don't know. But anyway, um, let's move on here to uh, Jeff's telling us it's freed. So yeah, yeah win for yeah, me. Yeah. All right. Miami Marlins here. So we got. got uh, <laughs> All right. New <laughs> to the team. I think we're trying to steal my thunder here. I'll talk about these Marlins. Um, we got Adam Duvall and Anthony Bass, who could be suiting in as the uh, possible closer here. Um, projected lineup. Uh, I feel like now I'm having fan graphs issues. Yeah, so it was kind of that's awesome. Me, but... uh, right. Loading. Maybe Buffering. we should bring that up before Buffering. we get to it. Uh, okay. All right. So we got Corey Dickerson in left field. We got Starling Marte. We got Jesus Aguilar. Uh, Adam Duvall, who we just mentioned in the cleanup spot, uh, Brian Anderson, and Miguel Rojas, uh, Ison Diaz, and Jorge Alfaro. Um, rounding out that lineup there. And then pitching, we've got Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. Uh, we got Alicia Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, and Trevor Rogers. So take it away, Joe. All right. So, yeah, going right into this pitching staff. I mean, th- this pitching staff is kind of quietly good. Nobody really cares about it because it's the Marlins, but they're sneakily good. Um, and the fantasy community is kind of bought into it a little bit, but um, maybe not as much as they should have. And we'll start with Pablo Lopez. Uh, his ADP is... Uh, 140 roughly, 
And, you know, but I wonder, like, should we buy into that price? We've seen Pablo kind of go up and down in his career so far. Now he's been, he was really good last year, but again, it was 2020 and that's when 2020, uh, you know, do we see him continuing or possibly getting better or do we see him maybe regressing and going closer back to his 2019 numbers? Um, so I'm a, I'm a very big Pablo guy. I ended up, I wrote about him in, in the NLEs breakdown as one of my, I forgot which, what I put him under, I think maybe sleeper. Um, because I, I really like him. Um, I don't think that he gets much better than he was last year. I feel like last year's probably the max that he can do. Um, but he does, he does throw a lot of pitches and he was actually working on adding another breaking ball, uh, to his arsenal this year. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> and I, I really like, I, I love him. I think that he has, he understands the game a lot. Like I've watched a few of his like post-game interviews and stuff. And, you know, he's always talking, he's always, he's very critical of himself. I um, mean, I feel like he's someone that really wants to put in the work to get better. And I feel like he has done that over the past year and a half, two years now. Um, Cause he's taken a big jump from 2019 into, into 2020. And granted, you did say that it was 2020 and you know, 2020 kind of was a, a really, really weird year. Um, but, you know, I just, I just, I really like him. He's going around guys like Musgrove, like Gosman, and, you know, everyone, every single year, everybody says, oh, Joe Musgrove's going to break out. Oh, he's going to break out. He's going to break out. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm over it. I'm over yeah, it. Yeah, I'm done too. And and Gosman is solid. You know, he's pitching, uh, you know, with the uh, San Francisco Giants. Um, their ballpark last year was a little bit more hitter friendly than it usually is. Um, granted, they did. I think that they brought in the left field and center field walls a little bit. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't know if we'll continue to see that this year. Um, but again, I just, I really, really like Pablo Lopez. You know, he's able to really limit the, the hard contact. Um, and, you know, while he doesn't strike out many guys, he he has the stuff, you know, I, I always, I love pitchers that throw four to five pitches. Like I was very in on Burns la- beginning of last year as one of my favorite guys. He, yeah. he bring a breakout season just because I feel like, you know, for pitches that only have two to three pitches, for example, like glass now, when one of them isn't working, it's very, very hard to get through a lineup. Whereas when pitches that have four to five pitches, if they're like, oh, you know, my cutter's not working. So they start throwing the sinker a little bit more. You know, they start hitting guys with the four seam, the two seam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see just a lot, like they're able to kind of push through the lineup because they have so many different pitches and it's hard for hitters to kind of pick up on each pitch. Um, Absolutely. So that's, why that's why I'm very in on Pablo Lopez because especially that he's adding this breaking ball. Um, I'd love to see what he can do with it. And I feel like last year was probably... Right around, I feel like he could go around like a three point four to three point six uh, ERA, like a, a mid three, um, without too many strikeouts. But I feel like he could be a really solid pitcher. I feel like people are kind of undervaluing him. Yeah, I mean, his, his strikeout potential is, you know, it's it's not fantastic, but it's not gonna like hurt you. You know, exactly. he, he he's he's right there around. You know, the the not. I mean, he last year he was at nine point two six. You're you're fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get one an inning, you're okay. Um, you would love more, but. It is what it is. So, um, AJ, you want to jump on yeah. to the next guy here? So, with the next guy we're talking about here, Sandy Alcantara, um, you know, not a great K rate. Uh, he did improve it last year up to uh, 836. Uh, again, that's almost one an inning. So, pretty solid, you know, for being a Marlins pitcher. Uh, he does have more a more consistent ERA. He's been in the threes the last three seasons. So it sounds like we might already know the answer based on the last one, but out of Alcantara and Lopez, 
which one would you rather have? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we kind of already know the answer. I'd, I would much rather Lopez. Um, I'm actually, I'm off of Alcantara. Um, I do think that he's like, he's an all right back end arm, but he's not somebody that I'm drafting where he's going. Like if I had a, like I've had guns in my head and like literally it was back to back Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez, I would go Lopez and I would let Alcantara fall. Um, you know, he throws gas, but you know, he doesn't have a really strong whiff rate on any of his pitches. Um, and you know, his curveball kind of lacks a little bit of spin and, um, he's not the best at, you know, he doesn't, it's not like he gets hit hard, but he doesn't really generate the soft contact that you see Pablo do. And I feel like that's a big thing with pitchers. Um, and I forgot to mention this with Pablo, but he also, he limits the walks. And that's another thing that I find is important. And Alcantara can kind of, he can kind of let the ball get away from him sometimes. And kind of, he's had a problem with walks and he's, while he's been able to dial that down a bit recently, mm-hmm. um, it's still something to kind of, you know, keep in the back of your mind um, that, you know, somebody that, you know, they don't generate very weak contact. They can kind of, you know, let the ball, um, you know, they can walk a lot of guys because they let the ball kind of go all over the place. And, you know, while the velocity is nice with this fastball, um, I would just, I just much rather Lopez. I feel like it's just a safer play uh, with everything that, you know, is kind of being pointed to with the metrics. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like the, the swinging strike rate and stuff isn't great for him. Uh, and, and, and obviously we know that because the strikeout rate isn't there for him, but you would you would hope with a fastball like he's got he would be better, but it's just not. Um, I think it's somehow he's been getting by the, the FIP and the XFIP. It, it tells us he's not as good of a pitcher as as he as he is or as he as he has been, um, especially with a you know a fly ball rate you know where it's been for him. So yeah, I'm I'm a little off of him. I'm way more on Lopez, but I'll tell you their ADPs are super close, and I don't think they should be. Um, but next guy here, we'll we'll move over to a bat. Obviously, you know we we could go easy and and talk about Marte and stuff like that. But we all know who they're going to be. Brian Anderson, though, he's a guy who who sort of feels sort of feels underrated. Um, you know, ADP's two forty six, kind of a locked in twenty home run guy. It feels like, uh, you know, with with you know he hit it in twenty nineteen. He was well over that pace last year. Um, you know what what are your thoughts about Brian Anderson? Um, so I agree that he's a bit underrated. Um, while I do feel like, you know, 2019 was a year with, you know, they say nothing was different with the ball. Um, but clearly it was now the ball is a little bit deadened. So I feel like he's someone to watch in that sense. Um, I don't know his average home run distance or anything like that. Um, but I feel like that could kind of play a factor to many home runs he hits with the deadened ball. Um, but you know, I feel like last, I mean, last year he had a 39% hard hit rate. And, you know, that's, the Marlins solid. <laughs> it is solid. Um, and, you know, he had an 87.4 exit velocity. And, you know, that, that's all right. It's, it's, you know, you'd want it to be a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's still relatively solid. And I do think that he has the potential to kind of fill in as a nice bench bat um, for you later in the rounds. And, yeah, you know, he's, hitting in a, in a, he's one of their better hitters. I feel like, you know, while their pitching staff has kind of taken a lot of steps forward, they're hitting while they did acquire Marte. Um, their hitting has kind of, I feel like stayed kind of in neutral um, lately. And, you know, you hope that Corey Dickerson can have a nice bounce back and Marte can help with that. Um, but, you know, I feel like Brian Anderson, I feel like he should be hitting, you know, around the four or five spot. And I feel like he could produce a little bit of, you know, runs, RBIs. And um, again, I feel like third base after the top few guys, they're not, it's not that deep. 
So again, I, I, I would definitely take a flyer on him. You know, his strikeout rate hovers around 20%. He walks around 10%. So it's not like, you know, he's striking out a lot. He has a problem with the strikeout. Um, so I, I think that he could really be a solid, uh, you know, a solid bounce back guy um, in terms of average and all that kind of thing um, that kind of happened with him last year. Yeah, I definitely like Anderson. I've I've owned him, you know, kind of on and off the past few years. Uh, more is, like you said, a bench bat fill in, uh, you know, for injuries and whatnot. But he he's got dual eligibility with the third base and the outfield. So you know, now with most leagues pretty much being standard five outfielders, um, you know, and and also the corner infield or utility i mean he you can plug him in wherever um and it's a nice thing to have with you know days off and whatnot or or the injuries or whatever so i definitely like anderson i like the upside he's got some pop and uh yeah i mean the counting stats are there for for that adp at least so absolutely so all right well let's jump into the new york mets here uh, lots of additions. I wish we could talk about more of them, but time does prevents us from that. But we are going to talk about the first one here. And that's Francisco Lindor, obviously coming from the Cleveland offense here, moving to a, I, I mean, I think it's a pretty decent offense. Um, it not, maybe not as good as Cleveland, but I mean, what's the expectations with Lindor going from Cleveland to New York now? Um, you know, I would argue that the Mets lineup is a little bit better this year um, than the Indians lineup. You know, you've seen the Indians kind of lose a lot of their their players and kind of trade them away lately. And, you know, you have like three guys competing for first base this year. Um, you know, you have Jimenez and Rosario at short. And, you know, I just I feel like their lineup just isn't as good as it normally is. Um, but with the Mets, I feel like their lineup was kind of taking a step forward. Um, as for Lindor, I am a little bit. I wouldn't say concerned because it's Francisco Lindor, but I'm just concerned with the fact that the Mets have already come out and kind of said that Nimmo is their leadoff guy. Um, so Lindor is no longer going to be in that leadoff spot. Um, and I feel like that could kind of be beneficial towards him in the RBI area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly where he'll, I feel like he'll, he'll probably slot in around probably like two or three is my guess um, with Alonso probably in, at four or Conforto at four. Um, but I do feel like, you know, it's, it's a good lineup, especially the top part of that lineup. And, um, you know, he puts up the stolen bases still, I feel like he could be a 30 home run, you know, 20, 25 stolen base guy. And yeah. you know, he, sh- he should provide a, a relatively high average in the two eighties. I'd say even, even higher. Um, and he has the potential to have hundred runs and hundred RBIs this year. You know, I feel like he's a locked in first round player and I have a lot more confidence. Yeah. I know he had a, a down year last year. Um, but, you know, I have a lot more confidence in him, I'd say, this year than I did last year, just because I feel like last year there were so many uncertainties around him, around the, you know, the Indians lineup. Um, you kind of saw them, like, sell everybody off. Now they're in, like, full-on rebuild mode. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like he'll he'll go back to being a stud. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, I, I love Lindor. And, you know, you're always going to be able to see that smile on your, uh, your fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, it's strange, like, a lot of the projections, and I get it, they're just projections. Like, they really took – it feels like they took 2020 into a huge account for him. His projected batting average is no higher than 268. Wow. And I'm like, he never went lower than that until last year. He granted it was 258, but, like, wow. I mean, we're we're killing this guy for one 
sort of mediocre year in batting average. So I, I feel you, man. I'm, I'm all on board. And again, I took him at 16 in uh, TGFBI, which was, you know, a f- few spots ahead of his, his ADP. And, but, you know, I, I was, I'm hoping the steals, you know, granted, yeah, batting third or fourth isn't going to really help him in the steals department, but they're, they're still going to run this guy. They have to. Uh, that's, that's what he's known for. And yeah, he's got 30, 30 home runs in that, uh, in the, in that bat for sure. So, um, anyway, other guys new to the team, James McCann got Jonathan VR, which is sort of an interesting player. Cause you know, that obviously might hurt McNeil and a whole bunch of other infielders. He can move around or they, they're going to have to move around. Who knows what's going to happen there with him. Carlos Carrasco to this, to this rotation, which is very interesting. And then Taiwan Walker as well. And then, uh, the balls for the bullpen, we got Trevor May. So, um, yeah, let's get into this uh, starting lineup here. And just got off the page. So I just got to load for a second. I was there. And of course, I jumped around. All right. Yeah. So you're right, man. Brandon Nemo is uh, is is projected as the leadoff. Then Jeff McNeil, right now, second base. Lindor is at third. Conforto is fourth. Alonzo is fifth. Dominic Smith is sixth. Uh, JD Davis is seventh. And uh, James McCann is catcher. I will say this though: Nemo's, you know, lefty and projected to be split potentially with Pilar. So I think the days that Pilar plays, Lindor slides right into first. That's my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think that that could be something there where you were talking about the steals and then the starting rotation. It's, it's nasty, man. DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman, Walker, David Peterson, and we're going to get Noah Syndergaard back probably in a month, month and a half. So it's going to be loaded. It's going to be fun to watch this team. I think Uh, AJ, let's jump into the first question. Yeah. uh, Syndergaard actually was just placed on the 60 day IL. Was he really February 20th? So a couple of weeks ago, but uh, that, potentially could push that start back even more um anyway yes first question here uh pete alonzo now he pretty much disappointed slightly last season with the dip in batting average uh getting off to a really slow start only six home runs through the first month and change i mean do, do you are you worried about this? Do you think he can bounce back this season or are these red flags that you need to look at and, and kind of hold him back in the homers to maybe, you know, mid thirties. Cause that's terrible. Um, you know, I, I feel like mid thirties is probably his floor for home runs. You know, the power potential is it's unreal. You know, he, he absolutely smokes the ball. Um, but you know, his problem has always been strikeouts. Uh, he's a big strikeout guy. And I feel like that's going to hit his average. I feel like he's probably more of a 240, 250 guy. 250, maybe. I mean, I feel like maybe he could push 260, but I feel like 250 is probably where I'd, I'd project him to go. 250 with, you know, at least 35 home runs, I would say. Um, you know, I've, I feel like I've seen people say that they're, uh, or that they like would project him for around 40, 45. Um, like I said, he, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push that past him. He has absolutely monster power. Um, but I do think that, you know, you have to take into account that, you know, you're not going to really get the average that you want with him. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go on streaks. He's a very streaky guy. Um, there'll be weeks where he probably single-handedly wins you home runs, and there's going to be weeks <laughs> where you're expecting him to to hit, you know, maybe three, four dingers, and, you know, he he's left you with one, hitting 116 on, you know, the entire week. 
so I feel like his strikeout is going to leave him as a streaky player. But, you know, I, I do think that the power potential is unreal and he has, you know, the upside to, to lead the NL in home runs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally feel it. Uh, like I had him last year, and he was abysmal to start the year, and then September, it was like a totally different player. Man, he hit ten home runs in one month. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, he could hit me to fifty to forty, and at that point, I didn't really care. Um, <laughs> I'm probably passing on him in most leagues just because I'm going to go elsewhere at that position, um, but. Yeah, I, I think a little bit of bounce back is is, is in, in the future for him, but it's not going to be crazy. Um, you know, he, his hard hit rate went way down, which I expect to come back up. Um, he's just got too much power in that bat for it not to, to come back up, and I think that's going to help his home runs maybe stabilize a little bit. So uh, that's that's – that's where I would go with that one here. But let's jump over to another power hitter for this team, and it's Dominic Smith. Last year was his breakout season. You know, we know what he did, and it was incredible. Granted, there was a DH. Now, look, he didn't DH every day. He actually played a lot in the field. First base, played left field, or, yeah, he played in outfield. Um, but, you know, defense is a gigantic liability for this guy. And now that there's not a DH, they can't just slide him in there, you know, when he's not going to play the field. Do you think there's any concerns here with, you know, with playing time with Dominic Smith? And, and, and so, you know, you, you pass on him in drafts. Um, I do have a little bit of concerns when it comes to the playing time with him. Um, but I, I feel like his bat is just so damn good that they got to get him in the lineup somehow. Um, like you said, you know, his defense is liabilities, but I, I feel like he's penciled in right now as one of their main left field guys. that they're going to kind of rotate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, JD Davis did see a little bit of time, uh, in left field occasionally last year and, you know, the year prior. And I feel like he's going to be mainly like, I feel like honestly, one of the best things that happened to them is Cano being suspended. Um, cause it kind of opened up a few things for him, you know, you know, you can slot McNeil at second, uh, JD Davis at third. And then that opens up left field for them to use one of the. 18 outfielders that they signed, you know, they signed like Malik Smith. Um, they signed, uh, Blar, um, and they have Dom Smith and, you know, they have a lot of options that they can go to. Um, but I feel like, you know, for the most part, they'll probably start with Dom Smith in the outfield. They'll start their games with Dom Smith in the outfield, um, to kind of get his bat on the lineup. And then I wouldn't be surprised if by, you know, the seventh inning, they pull him a lot more often, um, and th- toss in, you know, a better defensive guy just to kind of preserve the game, especially if they're, you know, they're winning the game. Um, but you know, he, he's another guy that he, he smokes the ball, doesn't strike out too much. Um, you know, he had an expecting bat, expected batting average of 301 last year, which backs his 316 average. Um, I, I feel like, you know, he finally, you know, he finally broke out in a, in a true way. And while the playing time is a little bit of concerning, um, he's one that I'm targeting heavily in drafts because like I said before, or earlier in the podcast, um, first base is kind of, you know, a wasteland after the top five, six, seven guys. Um, so I feel like, you know, if you can grab them, if you're passing on first base early on, you can kind of grab them and slot them in there. Um, I think that on the days that he does play, which I believe to be relatively often, um, I think that he can really be a true help to your lineup. Uh, I'm just, I'm a big Don Smith guy. Uh, and I, I just, I really do like him. I think that he can provide uh, exactly what he did last year. Maybe not as high in the average department, but 
know, he's got the home run potential. He's hitting on a great lineup. Uh, and he should hit for relatively high average at first base outfield position eligibility for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I think that because of his defensive liability, uh, that he's just going to be one of those guys that is always a defensive replacement later in the games. Um, you know, and it's it's going to hurt his value some, but they have options to plug and play, like you said. So I still think he's going to get most, you know, most of the playing time, but it could taper off a little bit here and there depending. And and who knows, maybe he's worked on his defense in the off season and could surprise people. But until I see it, I'm, I'm not buying it. Uh, yeah. I I'm out on him. I just don't want to take the risk on, on him losing, you know, a third of a game's bat, you know, batting attempts because yeah. they are going to slub him out. So yeah. especially if he plays outfield more no, that ain't going to work. If it was first base. I'd say, okay. It might be worth it, but um, I know he's got the eligibility there for fantasy baseball, but that's probably where he's not going to play. He's he's slotted as a starting outfielder, so I'm I I I do worry about it. I, like I, I know I'm a little more risk adverse than, than others. And Ariel Cohen was on here on Monday talking to us about that too. Like, and I agree with him. Like, I'm risk adverse. Like, when it comes to it, like I'll take some risks, but like. I'm going to take risk where there's upside, not where it's risk where there's like massive downsides where it's like you're buying them high, right? You, you're not, and and you're dealing with if they bottom out, you're you're screwed. Um, Dom Smith, I, I just don't feel like is 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 that good of a a, a payment right now. So, um, yeah. So, I will moving back into the starting pitching here. As you said, they're very very good, um, but. Their problem is the bullpen. You know, can they be trustworthy enough to get them the wins or to preserve wins? Um, obviously, we're looking hard at Edwin Diaz here. He's been up and down the last three seasons, has not been able to keep it very consistent at all. Um, and he was a lockdown closer at one point, and he's just not with New York. So, what are your thoughts on on the bullpen here? Um, you know, I feel like the the signings that they made in the offseason um, are going to provide a big boost for them. You know, they signed Trevor May. Um, they're getting – they signed Aaron Lope. I don't know how to say his name. They signed Jacob. Lope, yeah. <laughs> um, they grabbed Mike Montgomery, who I know, you know, he's nothing really special. Yeah. Oh, solid. But, you know, he's, he's just another arm. Um, they're going to get a full year of Miguel Castro. He has a – devastating sinker um you know while he may get lit up a little bit i feel like this is a relatively solid bullpen um i know seth lugo being out for the first i don't know if it's first few weeks or months but i know he's probably going to miss around three to four weeks um at least um you know with him being out it's going to be a little bit more risky for them um and you know you're right you know edwin diaz he's been very up and down the past three seasons you know we saw him go from the best reliever in baseball Got, one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, getting traded for Jerry Kalenic to one of the worst. Um, but I feel like, you know, I feel like he's, he'll be the closer for them. And he did make a, you know, he, he made a few strides last year. Um, his walk is still kind, of, still kind of iffy, but, you know, we kind of started to see a little bit of the Diaz that they traded for. Uh, and it was kind of nice. I feel like I feel like some of it might have had to do with, uh, you know, the like being in the spotlight, being in New York, and just him not used to it. Um 
obviously you can see that about anybody that gets moved to New York. Uh, but, you know, he's probably someone that I'm avoiding in drafts just because, like you said, you know, when it comes to risk, I feel like while he can, you know, provide a great amount of saves, I feel like there's also the risk that after the first month of the season, he's yanked a closure and they go with somebody else. Um, so I'd rather, I'd rather wait on him. And, you know, I know there's not many closures that are established uh, right now. And a lot of them are kind of going to committees and stuff like that, but he's just someone that I, I kind of don't really want to take the risk on. Um, but if he falls deep enough, I might end up, I'd end up grabbing him. I'm not, I'm usually not someone to draft relief pitcher early. Yeah, in in a saves only league, it's slightly different. Diaz is one of the last guys at this point that I'm like going like, oh, all right, fine, I'll, I'll take the plunge. But it's he's definitely you know top five six in my book. Um, it it's just tough with him, man. Like you hope he doesn't go back to 2019. Um, you, you're just praying, but like you know, I like you know. There's 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 reasons to like Inglesias better. There's reasons to like a whole lot of these guys better. So um, yeah, it's uh, hey Trent, thanks for uh, thanks for the shout out, man. Appreciate it. Uh, saw the comment there, uh, but yeah, I mean there, there's reasons to to get on board with Diaz. You know he he's gonna be the guy there. Like I don't really think any of these other guys behind him are going to take the take the job and. You know, unless he just completely bottoms out. So yeah, there, there's reason to like him for that reason alone, really. So um, <clears throat> let's move over here to the Phillies. And, and AJ, I don't know if you can see it. It's pretty small. I get it, but I got the old school Phillies thing here. I can I can pull it up here. Hang on. I I, I do. I, I see that. That's nice. A little little old go. school Phillies right. helmet for you, buddy. I like it. I, I, got it. I got these uh these Baskin Robbins ice cream hats from back in the early nineties. So I unfortunately do not have a Nat and I do not have a Marlins because the Marlins were not even a team back then. But I do have an Expos. Hell yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so Nats. you know Nats. Nats North, bro. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take it. So North uh, of the border, eh? It'd be All real right. fun when we go to the NL West and I have only three helmets because two of the teams are expansion teams. Arizona and Colorado. Uh-huh, <laughs> I got uh-huh. nothing for them. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't maybe make these they're, anymore. They're stored so. somewhere away with uh, all those Frank Thomas cards you don't have. <laughs> they, they don't make these anymore. So, <laughs> right. yes. Anyway, all right. So, new to the, the Phillies, team. Man. New to the team. We've got Archie Bradley. Speaking of Arizona, uh, Tony Watson, Brandon Kinsler. I'm sensing a theme here. Uh, Brad Miller. And Matt Moore. So the projected lineup here is Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot, followed up with Alec Baum, Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto. Thank you, thank you, thank you for signing him. Uh, Reese Hoskins at five, DD Gregorius. Thank you for signing him again. Uh, Gene Segura. And Scott Kingery in center field, uh, followed up by whatever flavor of pitcher is pitching that day. Uh, speaking of pitchers, we've got Aaron Nola leading the starting rotation here, followed up by former Met Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Vince Velazquez, why, uh, and Matt Moore. 
that 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 needs to change. Uh, I, I think they need to just go with a four man. Um, Good luck and, with that. Their team's going to this, six man. You're trying to go to a four man. It ain't gonna happen. No, they, they, <laughs> they need an opener. I mean, Velezquez could potentially be an sure. opener because he's only good for about. Well, hey, who knows? They 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 might man with with that. It make it kind of makes sense. But uh, hey, we yeah. got a question from Trent. He wants to know what jersey you're wearing. Who is that? What jersey I'm wearing? Yeah, holiday baby. That's Roy Holiday. That's who I thought it was. Roy Holiday. It should be. Roy All right, good stuff, man. Um, yeah, oh, Roy saying get Spencer Howard in that rotation. Yeah, I expect that to happen we, sooner rather than later. Roy Halliday, rest in peace, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's jump into the questions here. We got Aaron Nola first. He's going, you know, mid to late second. I've seen him go early second in some in some of these big expert leagues. You know, these these fifteen teamers. Um, Problem is, though, man, like what version of Nolan are we getting? Like this guy is just, it seems like he's just totally up and down. You know, it. he had a good year two years ago, or now I guess three years ago. Then two years ago, it was meh. Then last year was awesome. So, I mean, what, what are we buying in again? Like everybody bought in last year or two years ago and got crushed from it. Um, You know, I'm buying in on him. I feel like. You know, he's going around guys like Castillo and Bueller, and I feel like he, you know he could put up relatively similar stats with them. You know, um, while I do feel like his his floor is a bit lower just because he's been so inconsistent, um, I do think that he has you know the the ceiling to be you know put up like a three ten. Um, yeah. I think I think that he's you know he's really he's a really great pitcher. Uh, his K rate, um, you know, it shot up almost six percent last year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that, that was kind of due because he started to ch- – I feel like I read something somewhere where he started to make a few changes to his pitch arsenal. Um, and, you know, I, I think that he can, he can kind of continue it. Um, so, I mean, I'm in on Nola. I think that he's a, he's a really good pitcher. And, you know, yeah, I, I feel like he'll be the, uh, the, the ace for that team um, very, very clearly as uh, – as AJ had pointed out, you know, they, they've got about three, maybe four guys that can really pitch the ball for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a ridiculous rise for the K rate again, 2020, not as many games. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to judge it a little bit, but uh, you know, he, he dropped his left on base percentage a little bit last year. Um you know, his whip was just over one, 108. I mean, that's pretty solid. Can't go wrong with that. Um, I, I mean, I, I like Noel a lot. I think that he he needs to get out of his own way sometimes and just go out and pitch the ball, um, not get bothered by things that might go wrong. Uh, I think that's where he starts to just get into to more trouble. Um so I think we saw a little bit of that last year. Let him, you know, go out, do his thing, and just not worry about everything. So I, I, I'm I'm happy with him at the top of the rotation for sure. So, all right, next question here. I mean, we could keep it very short. Um, is Bryce Harper being over undervalued? Sorry, at his current ADP of 18. Uh, I mean. 
that's the, the the short version, you know, for a little bit of backstory. 2019, he did get off to a slow start, you know, with his first year in Philly, but he still finished 35 homers, 114 RBIs, 15 stolen bases. Uh, last season, he was definitely on pace again for similar stats. Uh, and he also cut down a strikedown rate last year. So what are your thoughts on Harper? I love Harper. I love him. I think he's, I think he is undervalued. Um, you know, this dude was the, he was a top five pick in fantasy. And then I feel like he went to the Phillies and the kind of all just, you know, fell apart for him. Um, but like you said, you know, he still finished that season, you know, 35 from one, 114 RBI, 15 stolen bases. You know, what more can you really want from a guy? Um, and again, you look at his baseball savant page and it's just littered with dark reds. The dude had a 20% walk rate last year. Well, you know, he's, he's a safe bet to get on base all the time because his, you know, he has a great eye at the plate. He walks consistently at least 15% of the time and, you know, him lowering the strikeout rate. I think it was just kind of him kind of starting to understand the way that pitchers pitch to him. Um, you know, there, there was a time where pitchers started to throw a lot more breaking balls to him and he was struggling with that. Um, I feel like he just over time kind of gotten used to the way that pitchers will battle him and, you know, really kind of come into his own. And, you know, I'm grabbing him all day long at, at that ADP. I, I feel like, you know, he, he's a he's a great home run threat. Um, you know, the average, I feel like it's not going to be 300, um, but I feel like he could hit around, you know, 275-ish. Um, and, you know, he's a, I think he's a almost a clear lock for 100 runs, 100 RBIs, just because of how much he gets on base. Um and yeah, I feel like he'll be a, he'll be a huge part for the the Phillies lineup this year. Um, and I feel like you know after this year, you might be, see him starting to sneak back into the first round uh, for drafts next year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And, and apparently, uh, Scott Rogers here on uh, on Facebook, uh, who's listening, appreciate appreciate you listening, man, or watching. Uh, you apparently don't agree, but uh, that's fine. Hey, we all got our own opinions. I, I like him, man. I like the fact that like my my knock on Harper for so many years was I thought he was immature, and I thought he was just going up there just trying to hit the ball as hard as good, and it hurt his value. Hey, it hurt him literally. Because I think he was overswinging and then going out in the outfield and running in the walls, just being an idiot. Um, so he was missing time. And then, you know, when he was there, he was just trying to hit the ball as hard as he could. And he was striking out too much. Uh, he was missing the ball too much. He wasn't hitting, he wasn't hitting the ball as clean as he could. Last year, when we saw his walk rate go up like we did and his strike rate go way down like we did, I feel like that was a sign that he was a little bit, he was maturing. I mean, the guy's, you know, 28, going on 29 now. Like, it's about damn time, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, so, like, we're just seeing a, a lot of signs that he's just maturing as a player. Um, and, yeah, he was he was paid heavily. Maybe some of that first half of the first season with the Phillies was, oh, my gosh, I signed this gigantic contract. We saw it with Manny, too. Manny in, in San Diego. They both struggled that first half of the first season. You know, it was just all the pressure was like, we signed these epic contracts that have never been signed before and we have to play up to it. And there was too much pressure on them. And once they just went, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to play our game. They figured it out and they're playing like they should have played. Um, I mean, his offensive ward last year in 58 games was 15.4. That's crazy. That's more than half 
of like his his season his last season with Washington. Um <laughs> granted his MVP season is nowhere near that, but it's that was it the signs are pointing up for him. I think he's slightly underrated, but again, it, you know, it our ADP 18, it's it's hard to say that that he's that underrated, but I think he's within the realm of a late first round, early second round pick. So um, let's jump into the last question here. And uh, I mean, look, <laughs> AJ kind of alluded to it. The, the trend of the off season was relief pitching because the Philadelphia Phillies needed it more than any team who was going to compete. Um, they had the worst bullpen in the majors last year, 13 blow saves, 14 games, you know, um, they lost 14 games. It's just awful what they did. Uh, 7.21 ERA. They clearly went after the bullpen and they should have. Um, now the question is though, is, is what's going to happen here with the closers and things like that? Like, who do we trust? Neris, Watson, Kinsler, Archie Bradley. I think it's to me, I've got my one or two guys, but I want to get your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, they made a lot of, um, you know, they, they made a lot of additions this offseason with uh, relief pitchers. And I do feel like it'll be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a committee at closer between uh, Nerys and Bradley. And I feel like he could also maybe see Alvarado um, step in every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, I actually, I really like what they did this year. Um, as a Yankee fan, uh, I was kind of hoping that we would grab guys like Kinsler or Tony Watson uh, relatively cheap like they did. I feel like those are great deals for them, even though they're aging veterans. Um, they're still valuable pieces at the back of the bullpen. Um, you know, you, you got Aries, Bradley, Alvarado, Kinsler, Tony Watson, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Connor Brogdon. Um, you know, he's a youngster. I feel like he could do, you know, do really well and kind of maybe even someday be, you know, their closer of the future. Um, but I feel like right now, you know, he's kind of more of a bid-leading type guy. You know, let's throw him out in the sixth, seventh, just kind of let him get outs. Um but I feel like, you know, they did enough this offseason to really solidify that bullpen. Um, and, yeah, you know, I'm kind of steering away from Nerys and Bradley and Fanahy just because the committee. Um, yeah. I'm really unsure of where they're going to be. But, you know, I, I do feel like this bullpen will take a, you know, a, a major step forward this year. Yeah, I agree. And I think AJ's hoping that it happens. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's almost impossible not to take any kind of step forward. Uh, I, I feel like Helen Keller could walk forward easier than what this <laughs> wow. bullpen did last year. Uh, it, it was so god awful to watch, um, and I, I can't I can't watch that again this year. And I love Bradley. I've loved Bradley for a long time. Watson, uh, yeah, I mean he's he's been good. Kinsler has been good, like you said. They're they're older guys, but. They have some closing experience. They've got plenty of relief experience. Um, I, I like it. And I like Alvarado too. So Neris has been okay at times. I just don't, I don't think he's, he's not closer material in my mind. I've been passing on him in TGFBI. I'm taking the bottom end of the closers and I've taken like Rich Rodriguez over him. I've taken Montero over him, even I though like I think Wandy Rodriguez over him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Find him. I'm going that far, but whatever. Yeah. It's not know. good. 
I mean, like they don't bring in Archie Bradley as the guy who's probably closer to one B. No, you know, for nothing. At least the other two have nobody there. They're just going to get traded at some point. <laughs> that sucks. But I mean, whatever. I'll take the better pitchers over a guy who's probably going to lose his job in the first three weeks. So anyway, let's move over to the Washington Nationals here. Um, newcomers to the team. I'll start with the guys who we're not going to pause on. Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, and Brad Hand. All solid names. Um, Josh Bell, though, the guy who I wanted to pause on. Very intriguing player, in my opinion. Like This guy had breakout material all written all over him for years. You know, just star player. 2019, it finally came to fruition. He was amazing. And nobody that was at that point, like everybody got him for basically free in drafts. He skyrocketed up drafts in 2020 for good reason. You hit 37 home runs and 160 in RBI. That's going to happen. And it just bottomed out. You know, it could be COVID year, you know, whatever, but 226 average. Like it just K rate went way up for him. Like, and Pittsburgh moved on. Pittsburgh was like, see you later. Bye. Um, now he goes to the Nationals. Like, what are we thinking is going to happen with Josh Bell? Like, are we thinking more of 2019 or, you know, what? Um, You know, I want to say he falls somewhere in the middle, but I don't want to sound so negative because I feel like he just had such a meh year last year that in the middle is probably not the greatest. But I feel, I feel like he's a little bit closer to his 2019 self. Um, If you look, you know, he still hits the ball really, really hard. Um, You know, that was evident last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, his, his K rate skyrocketed and his walk rate kind of dipped. And, you know, he had, he struggled hitting off-speed pitches. Um, I feel like that kind of had a little bit of um, – that was like kind of a result of the COVID year. You know, they, they took away the, the cameras um, that you're able to use to look um, – or like the footage, I mean, to, to look at, you know, the pitcher beforehand. Um, that kind of had a lot of pitchers struggling. You know, I mean, a lot of batters struggling. You had Javi Baez that struggled from that. Mm-hmm. Had, um, JD Martinez just was not his self last year. Um, and JD it, already said he came out and said he wasn't prepared for last year. So like, I don't even know if that's yeah. the cameras. That's just he. He just that's basically true. said I came out and was lazy. <laughs> so, um, but at least he owns up to it. Um, but I feel like you know that might be the case with Bell. Um, you know, he's moving to a, obviously a better lineup. Uh, you know, yeah, much he better. Soto there. Um, I feel like this helps Soto a little bit too. Gives him a little bit, a little bit of protection around him, where he's not the main guy in the lineup anymore. Um, and you know, I feel like he he could be a really sneaky, great value. Um, you know, like I said, the power is there. I feel like he'll be able to get a lot of RBI opportunities. And you know, I feel like we kind of see this the strikeout rate kind of normalize a little bit um, as to closer to what it was in 2019. You know, right around 19, 20 percent. Um, and even before uh, 2019, you know, he was averaging like, you know, around 17, 18% strikeout rates. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just a weird jump last year. So I'm, I'm kind of banging on it on 2020, just being a weird year for him. He's actually also the only switch hitter that they have. <laughs> so, wow. you know, batting cleanup, that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty helpful. I feel like, um, but yeah, I just I I like Bell. I, I think that he'll be um I think he'll be a little rejuvenated in this this lineup. It's it's definitely a much better lineup than what he was dealing with in Pittsburgh. Um I, last year I don't know. I mean I feel like he, he's kind of 
had more years like last year than he did like 2019 as breakout year, but I, I'm pulling for him to have another good year. Yeah, I, I think he's I don't think he's as bad as last year, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if 2019 was his career year ever. So yeah, no, no, nobody's expecting that, but he is, he is somewhat of a value this season. Um, what is his ADP now that I want to look it up? Uh, Josh Bell. I mean, we're looking at a one seven. I mean, I have him at one seventeen. That's still, a, I still think that might be a little low. I'm just, you know, I do my rankings basically straight off of projections. Um, but his ADP is looking like it's around uh, 140. So, yeah, I've got him way higher than the ADP. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I might be buying some Josh Bell. So, all right, let's jump into the next question here. We've got Max Schwerber or Kyle Schwerber. Sorry, I thought I had the, well, you you didn't the lineup there. It what? didn't. Do the lineup. Oh, I didn't. I'm jumping into my question here. Yeah, sorry. Lineup. Bleh. Yeah, let me just steal your question. I'm sorry oh, here. All right, so lineup here. Sorry, we're not in the question. So lineup here. We got uh, Victor Robles leading off right now. Juan Soto, Trey Turner, then Josh Bell, then Kyle Schwarber, Starling Castro, Jan Gomes, Carter Keyboom. Uh, the starting rotation here is Max Scherzer. Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, John Lester, and Joe Ross. Um, so, yeah, AJ, jump into the real first question. <laughs> okay, so question one. Uh, Max Scherzer, uh, after carrying a sub-3 ERA and sub-1.03 whip, uh, the only reason I use that is because he was sub-1 except for, I believe it was last year, maybe the year before. No, sorry, two years ago. He was 1-3. Uh, 103 in his first five years in Washington. Mad Max had a very non Scherzer esque season last year in 2020 with a 374 ERA and a 138 whip. He's dealt with some injuries and he just always plays through them, which I feel like hurts him even more, literally. Um, but I mean, he's also going to be. 37 halfway through this season. So are you trusting Max this year? Um, I'm on his, I'm passing on him. I feel like his best days are behind him. Um, you know, yeah, the strikeout rate is always going to be there and, you know, they call him Mad Max for a reason. You know, he's always furious on the mound. And he talks to himself. You know, it looks like you're watching. I know like a lot of times see college pitchers do that or when they get pumped up, like he looks like a college pitcher, but that he talks to himself, mumbles, he, you hear him like freaking growing every time he throws. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm passing on him. I think that his better days are behind him. Um, you know, maybe if, if he falls relatively deep enough, I'll grab him, but I, I wouldn't be really confident with him as my number one starting pitcher uh, in my rotation for fantasy, at least, you know, I feel like the strikeout rate will be there, but you know, you don't know what you're going to get. And like, like you touched on, you know, injuries have been a, a factor for him in the past, the past few years. And, I feel like that's just the fact that he's getting older. Um, so yeah, so he's he's a fade for me right now. Um, maybe that changes over you know over the course of the year. Granted, it'll be too late by then. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm passing on him. I'd rather go other ways. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I don't like Max too much. Uh, I even even at the end of the second round in a 12 team league, I don't really want to buy on him. I feel like somebody's going to snag him a little earlier anyway, just because it's Max Scherzer. Uh, the strikeouts are phenomenal, but I, I do worry about the injuries. You know, guy guys like him, like. I look at him and he's getting into that Kershaw range, right? Where like Kershaw, when they're on the mound, they're fine. But it's like, how many times are they going to get injured? And you're right there, like they're getting older. Um, AJ, you and I know about this. Maybe you hit this kind of age range, man. You do not heal as quickly as you used to. Uh, <laughs> for yourself, bro. Uh, yeah, I'm still God dealing with the back injury from over here. December. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, those Best guys. Aches and pains. What? I said, speak for yourself. I'm a specimen over here. And then I said, a specimen of aches and pains. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd much rather pass on him, take a guy who's going right around him like a bulbachette as a pit, as a hitter, and then come back around and take a guy like Jack Flaherty or somebody like that who's younger and good and is up and coming and not have to take the risk on a Max Scherzer. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, but, yeah, let's jump into the question that I was trying to ask you earlier. That's Kyle Schwarber. Man, he was incredibly bad last season, dropping his average below 200, and it wasn't even close. It was like 188, man. Like, <laughs> no, his K rate was abysmal. Uh, the power is still there, thanks to a crazy high hard hit rate. Um, but, I mean, what what's the thoughts coming into this season? His ADP is, I mean, he's not quite free, but he's bottom of your you know double digit rounds here you know you taking a chance on him now that he's you know changed scenery with washington or have people just finally figured this guy out and this is who he is i mean i feel like this is just who he is you know he's a power hitter who's gonna sh- he's almost like you know a poor man is joey gallo um gonna struggle to hit for for any you know sort of average but he's gonna provide uh you know solid home run potential um, you know, looking at his ADP is going around like 190 to 200. Yeah. And feeling like, you know, depending on where my outfield is, I might just be like, hey, let me, let me grab him and hope he hits me, you know, 30, 35 homers this year. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really into him. Um, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, the power is great and, you know, he walks a lot, but he's another, another one of those guys like Alonzo where he can just get into a groove where he's just striking out at the plate nonstop and it's just going to kill you for fantasy. And, um, and yeah, you know, he had almost a 30% strikeout rate and that was back to, you know, his norms after he took a step forward in 2019. Um, and you know, that was due to a, a change in approach at the plate, but I don't, I don't really feel like, you know, he's really anything special. And I, I'm honestly pass on him and look for, you know, cheaper sources of power elsewhere. Yeah, I'm also kind of surprised that the Cubs didn't use him at DH more often last year, considering they had the option to do it. Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he they improved. Forgot. They improved defensively, but it went from a negative seven WAR to a negative three point seven WAR defensively. Like, still not good, guys, and still not worth it. So, um, yeah, I know he's. It's just. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pass on a guy like that. I've never been a big fan of them unless they're like completely free in drafts. And he's still not free. He's go- There's guys going around him that I think I'd still rather have. But uh, I don't know. AJ, you got thoughts on, on him? No. <laughs> no, it's nice. 
I, I mean, I, like, I'll take a Christian Walker, same positions, you know, and yeah, stuff, and I, you know, I much not. better average, you know, and equal enough power. I, it's that's an easy decision for me. So, finishing out here, a season ago, Victor Robles was being touted as one of the next big stars in the game. This is coming off of a 17 homer and 28 steal season. Definitely solid uh, stats there. But things went real bad for him in 2020. His batting average dropped to uh, oh, 220. Uh, the power and speed. What what power and gone. speed? They were gone. <laughs> Three, Three and four. homers, four stolen bases. I mean, I, I could do that in you know MLB. No, you could. Oh, um, yeah, it'll be the show. It, okay, is, is he worth <laughs> taking a chance on at his current ADP of one seventy six, or are you just avoiding him at all costs? You know. I I really don't like Robles. Um, I'm avoiding him at all costs. Um, yeah, you know if if you know you're lacking stolen bases, you know he does still have the sprint speed, his 80th percentile percentile uh, sprint speed. Um, so you know I feel like you know he can still grab you a few stolen bases here and there, but other than that, I'm ultimately passing on him. You know the power is just in my opinion is not there. I feel like you know what he did in 2019 was a mirage. Um, he was never really touted as having too much power. He was always a speed first kind of guy. And um, I feel like that's kind of just what he is now. Um, he'll probably, you know, he'll, he'll get playing time. He'll be their, their main center fielder, but I'm just, I'm ultimately passing on him. Um, and, you know, while the, the stolen bases are solid, I, I don't know how many he'll get, you know, maybe 15. And even then I feel like that's not enough to justify grabbing him at that point. He's just, he's a total fade for me. Yeah. I'm not targeting him. I agree with you completely there. Uh, my thought is that like, look, he's going so late and that if I've kind of grabbed a whole bunch of infielders and a whole bunch of pitchers that I maybe need an outfielder, especially when you got some speed. Yeah. I'll, I might take a shot on him. I mean, at that point, at this point in the draft, like, you can drop him and you're not going to lose, right? Pretty much what it comes down to. Um, you know, because at this point, I'm willing to take on the risk. This is where we talk about the risk earlier with some of these guys like Max, who's going way high, but the risk is bad, right? Um, but yeah, and Trent said it here Robles is a great baseball player, but it unfortunately doesn't translate into a great fancy player. I agree with that. Um, but it could translate into a good enough fantasy player. It's not going to be 2019 where he was just, I mean, the, after that, like the, what was he a third round pick the next season? It was so crazy. I was like, no way. Um, but now that he's going in, in round, I don't even know what round it is. What round is that? Um, oh, geez. 176. I can't do the math right now. It's, it's super late. Like um, but yeah, it's like 15, 16, you know, and he, I seen him go later than that. So it's, it's one of those where like you can take the risk on him at that point. If you need some outfield help, especially with some speed and hope that the power comes back a little bit and it's just not going to be a total waste, but let's jump into the standings projections here. Um, Mike, go ahead and give us your standings projections for the NL East. You know, I feel like age is going to kill me here. Um, 
<laughs> just you're absolutely entitled out to your opinion. Um, but I'm mean, probably it's wrong, go, but you're entitled to it. <laughs> I feel like it's going to go Braves, Mets, Nationals, Phillies, and Marlins. And this division is honestly, it's one of the best in the MLB. So I could really see any of those bottom three teams making a push for, you know, uh, being being a top two team in the division. But I just feel like the Mets and Braves are so far ahead in terms of pitching. And their li- while their lineups are both great, you know, I feel like the Phillies just don't have that good enough pitching. The Nationals have a lot of question marks as to who's going to bounce back. Are their pitchers going to stay healthy? You know, you have Strasburg and Max that are dealing with injuries constantly. You have Lester, who's... 37, 38 at this point. It's a shell of his former self. And then, you know, the Marlins are, they're great, but I just feel like they just don't have the offensive power to kind of, you know, stick up there and kind of fight with the big dogs. So that's the, uh, that's the order I'm going with. Joe, I'll let you have the floor before I speak. (laughs) You're not going to like me either. It is I already Atlanta, <laughs> the Mets. You already don't. <laughs> um, Atlanta, the Mets, the Nats, the Phillies, the Marlins. The same thing as what I had written down, and it's not going to change. I agree for much of the same reasons Mike said, so I'm going to just pass it on to you, and you can go with your Phillies as number one and be wrong. I'm actually not going to take the Phillies number one. Okay. I, I I can't. I I would love for it to happen. Uh, I I don't think this offense is enough to overcome the bullpen woes yes. that they faced last well, year. Not even that, but I, th- I think the starting pitching is slightly I, well, lacking after Nola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great, but I think the offense can help carry them a little bit more. But again, we're talking 14 games that were lost when the Phillies were winning by at least two runs. Oh, yes. That's that's extremely detrimental. Um, I mean, you cut that in half, and that that alone makes them a, a playoff team last year, potentially. So... I'm going to go Atlanta first. I'm going to put Philly second if the bullpen straightens out, uh, followed by the Mets, and it's going to be like a one-to-two game difference between the two of them. Uh, The Nats, I think, are going to fall off. Um, Schwarber's not going to help them carry that team to better than, than fourth place. And uh, sorry, Marlins. <laughs> you made the playoffs last year, but it ain't gonna happen again. <laughs> I love the pitching, though. I really do. I just don't like the team enough. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, that is it for the show. Mike, I want to give you an opportunity to let everybody know where they can find you on the internet and, and all your good stuff that you do. Um, yeah, so I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Salcedo one uh, right next to my name right there. Um, and if you want to give me a follow on Instagram, it's Mike underscore Salcedo spelled the, the same way as in my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, you know, I'll be writing, continue to write for uh, the Fantasy Six Pack. Um, you know, you can find me on uh, the website. I believe my username is Sully, S-O-L-L-I, one <laughs> eight. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I look forward to continue to writing and uh, awesome, man. podcast someday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great to have you on and uh, look forward to what you have uh, lined up for the site. Uh, have a good night, man. We will uh, we'll get you back on here again. Sounds good. Have a good night, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yes. All right, AJ. So, the Phillies uh, were seven games back from the lead last year. So again, if wow. they get half of those wins that they already had that they lost, they're a playoff team. So yeah, no, I, I feel you, man. I I, I think it'd I be, just it's, it's hard pressed to to take the Braves down. Yeah, it's, yeah it, I don't think they're going anywhere. Really Their team is just good all around, so it's tough. But uh, yeah, I, I did have a tough time putting the Mets over the Phillies and even the Nationals. Like I think those those three teams are like razor thin margins. Like it's good, you know. Uh, it's going to depend on what injuries happen and things like that. Um, but if everybody's healthy, you know, I think I put the Nats just above the Phillies because Mad Max, if he can stay healthy all season, he can make, he, you know, he's another five, six wins himself. Yeah. So that makes yeah. that much of a difference. So, all right, man. Well, I think that's all I've got for the show. I want to thank Mike for coming on again. And next week we've got the NL Central preview. We're back Thursday night. So check you all later.